now we're going to jump right into it tonight. Uh, let's go to Numbers 23 and 19, all right? Because uh, at the last fire experience, Pastor John gave some men some words and things like that. And, and one of the words she gave me was a word that I had been getting for a while. And so I've been revisiting that and just talking to God about it. And so as I was talking to God about it, God just basically told me, Raph, you got to choose to trust me. You got to choose to know that I won't set you up for failure, son. And I was like, okay, God. Uh, I talk to God a lot when I, I get up and go work out at, at, in the mornings uh, about four something. And so it's my quiet time. And God was like, Graf, just trust me. I won't lie to you. And so from that, I want to share with you guys what the Lord has been sharing with me uh, about his character. God cannot lie. Number 23 and 19. God is not a man. First off, he ain't your daddy that didn't show up. He ain't your mama that left you hanging. He ain't your big sibling who said they was going to do it but didn't do it. He ain't your BFL that didn't come through. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Has he said and shall he not do it? Or has he spoken and he shall not make it good? Let me read that out of the uh, God's words translation. Uh, and it makes a little more sense. God is not like people. He tells no lies. I love how it says that. He tells no lies. So yeah, that promise God gave you, he tells no lie. He is not like humans. He doesn't change his mind. I know the economy went this way. God didn't change his mind on the on that you'll be debt free. God didn't change his mind that you'll come out of depression. God didn't change his mind on you being healed. He is not like humans. When he says something, he does it. When he makes a promise, he keeps it. Hallelujah. God is not like people. He tells no lies. Go ahead and type that. Say, God tells no lies. God does not misspeak or make mistakes. Hallelujah. God does not misspeak or make mistakes. And that's what God kept reminding me because I'm like, okay, Lord, God said, you said I'll be a, a, a millionaire. You know, you said that this is the thing that you have for me. And, and, and with that word, we have to come into alignment with what God says about us. And what I God kept telling me is like, Ralph, I don't misspeak and I don't make mistakes. So what I told you is true. Now, whether you believe it or not, that's on you. I didn't make a mistake when I called you to do X. God didn't make a mistake when he called you to do Y. God didn't make a mistake and he didn't misspeak because he's not capable of doing that. Romans 3 and 4 says it this way. It says, not at all. God be true in every human being a liar. As it is written, so that you may be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. God doesn't misspeak. What about John 10 and 10? He says, I'll come that you may have life and that life more abundantly. God doesn't misspeak. He doesn't make mistakes. Well, God, you said I'll be married. I'm 40 years old. God doesn't misspeak. Neither does he make mistakes. Don't let the earthly confines or human time cause you to doubt God because he does not misspeak. He does not mistake because he cannot tell lies. He tells no lies. It says in Titus 1 and 2, to confirm it once again, it says, in the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. 
every single word God has written in his word, every single word that your man or woman of God has spoken, none of those words are misspoken or they're mistakes. If you could see it in the word, that promise belongs to you. Why? Because God has promised before the beginning of time. And because you will find out that God cannot lie, God does not change, and his word does not fail. And so with all of that said, I can depend on God. He can be trusted. Why? He tells no lies. It says, do not allow earthly ideas and constructs to cause you to doubt God's promises. I know ain't nobody ever in your family ever been a millionaire. I know nobody in your family ever uh, made $100,000. I know nobody in your family may have never ever had a successful marriage. I understand that everybody in your family may have been impacted by cancer or high blood pressure or diabetes. I understand all that, but don't let earthly ideas, don't let the fact you don't have a degree, don't let the fact that you're a certain age, don't let the fact that you're a certain race, don't let the lack of education or being overeducated. Don't let your bank account become a construct that causes you to doubt God. God tells no lies. So when he told you that the house belonged to you, when he told you that debt freedom belonged to you, when he told you the car belonged to you, when he told you financial freedom was something within your grasp, he told no lies. But what constructs, what ideas of this earth are you utilizing to cause you to doubt the premises of God? We cannot allow earthly constructs to cause us to doubt God's promises. God has told no lies. He tells no lies. He is not like humans. And so what you got to understand is this. There will always be a circumstance. There will always be a situation. When David went before Goliath, you don't think the situation and the idea of killing a giant was overwhelming? You don't think that he he went in that situation and was just like, man, this, this looks easy. That's not what he thought. But he didn't allow what he looked at to cause him to doubt God. Why? Because God tells no lie. He remembered the God that brought him out and when he killed the lion. He remembered the God that brought him out when he killed the bear. He remembered that God that anointed him to be king. And he understood his purpose and that God could tell no lie. So he says, I don't know who you are, Goliath, and I'm not really tripping about that. But I know this, that nobody going to come against the people of God. And so I'm going to take you out. And so sometimes it looks like you may have a Goliath in your life and it looks like the circumstances and the situations are not favorable for the manifestation of the promise that God has given you. But God tells no lies. He does not misspeak and he does not make mistakes. And so the word that he has given you is final and is not subject to the circumstances of this earth. It's not subject to it. Nothing. All right, nothing. I was listening to a, a pastor. He said, nothing is more ridiculous than to allow your present situation to cause you to doubt the fulfillment of God's promises for your life. Let's read that one more time. Nothing is more ridiculous than to allow your present situation to cause you to doubt the fulfillment of God's promises for your life. Think about this. What situation were you in when you got saved? You weren't living right. 
Well, let's go back. The Bible says that even while we were yet sinners, Christ did what? Died for us. He says, giving us Jesus, right? Having given us Jesus, will he not give us better things? I mean, will he, will he withhold anything from us? So, so the fact that you, how ridiculous is it of us to allow any situation to cause us to doubt the fulfillment of God's promises in our life? There is nobody that lives without a situation. Every Look at your neighbor. Everybody got a situation. Everybody got a situation. And God, will, God being omniscient, all right, we don't got time tonight, but I will wait on you to raise your hand. How many of you guys know that God's omniscient? That means he's all-knowing. How many of you guys know that God is Alpha and Omega? That means he's, he existed in the beginning. He's going to exist in the end. So do you think not through the eternity uh, of time? Do you not think that he understood every situation that you would go through? Do you not know that he knows the hairs that numbered your head? He knows all about that. He knew the situation that you will encounter, but that situation has nothing to do with the fulfillment of his word. Why? Because nothing in the earth can cause the word of God to fail. It always comes to pass. Now, the manifestation of it in your life depends on your ability to walk in faith. But God's word always comes to pass. It has already come to pass. He has done everything. He has provided for us everything that we need already. God was aware of your present situation when he gave you the promise. Go ahead and type that. Say, my situation doesn't, doesn't impact God's promise. My situation doesn't impact God's promise unless you think that God ain't capable. He ain't capable of overcoming my 400 credit score. He ain't capable uh, 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 of overcoming cancer. He ain't capable of overcoming high blood pressure. He ain't capable of getting me a new job. He ain't capable of paying my rent. He, my God just don't understand my situation. Baby, he God. Is there anything that's too hard for God? It's not. So it's ridiculous of us as humans to allow a situation to cause us to doubt the fulfillment of God's promises because God's promise has nothing to do with anything in this earth. When he gave you the promise, the promise was weighted on his ability to bring it to pass, not yours. So I'll tell you this, how you feel has nothing to do with God's word or his promises. You don't got to feel like got to do it. He going to do it. You, you, you don't got to feel good about it. You don't got to feel bad about it. You don't got to feel joyous. You don't got to feel depressed. You don't got to feel angry. You don't got to feel sad. Your feelings has nothing to do with God's word or his premises. The situation or circumstance hat tries to make you feel a certain way so that your feelings can negatively impact your faith. Faith isn't built on feelings. So the enemy tries to cause things to come into your life. Because if I can just get muddier to, to be more focused on this bill than I, and feel all down about this bill, because you understand negative feelings are only signs of despair. And God has not given us uh, 
God's word will cause us not to have despair. So if you're feeling down, if you're feeling sad, if you're feeling defeated, it's only because you're letting the situations and circumstances of this earth override God's ability not to lie. You think that God hasn't come through already. You think that God just told you a bunch of uh, fables. You think that God is dangling a carrot before your face and you'll never be able to consume it. That is not the God we serve. The God we serve cannot lie. The God that we serve doesn't break a promise. The God that we serve will always come through. The God that we serve does not misspeak and he does not make mistakes. So I got to understand that God isn't asking me how I feel about it. When God says, Courtney, you'll do X, Y, and Z, he wasn't concerned about how Courtney felt about it. When God told Mama saying she would do X, Y, and Z, he wasn't concerned about how she felt about it. There is an identity that you possess, and then there is an identity that God has for you. You have to choose to align yourself with your God-given identity and not the one the world has chosen for you, not the one your parents have chosen for you, not the one that you have chosen for you. God's way is always best. And so what the enemy does, he uses persuasion and certain and circumstances to try to convince us that God won't come through. You know, you know, it, the economy's bad. You know, we're going into a recession. You know, those interest rates are high. You know, this ain't the right time to be buying a house, says who? If God told you this is the time to buy the house, did you not think God already knew about interest rates going up? It doesn't matter if interest rates get to 25%, baby. They set new records. If God told you, if God promised it to you, he cannot lie. He will adjust all of earth in order for the promise that he had for your life to come to pass. He will move all things. Why? Because when he gave you that promise, he could not lie about it. So if he told you that you this was a year for you to get a house and then the interest rates go up, then he'll just make sure you got more money. He'll just make sure you got more than enough. He'll have somebody pay your closing. He'll have somebody give you a 20% down payment to eliminate uh PMI. He will make it work. But what we have done, we have limited God to our ability to understand. God, you said I can have a $700,000 house. That's a $4,000 a month mortgage, God. How do I do this? It isn't, our job isn't to do the heavy lifting. Our job is only to believe God. So my job is to understand that God won't lie to me. So if God said that this is my year to have a house, I don't look at anything other than a promise. See, when you begin to consider anything other than a promise, when you begin to consider anything other than the word, that's when the enemy allow, causes doubt to enter into your life. Let's keep going. God wasn't asking you how you felt when you, he created the earth. Think about it. God didn't get your opinion on that. He didn't need your opinion on that. He didn't need your opinion when he hung the stars. He didn't need your opinion or your input when he created water and separated the land and he made trees grow. He didn't need that. God doesn't need your opinion then. And he doesn't need your opinion now. He didn't need to understand how you felt then. And he doesn't need to understand how you feel now. It isn't about how you feel. But we got to let God be God. So God, you know what? I trust your word more than I do my feelings. I trust your word more than I do the economy. I trust your word more than I do my own body and the things it's telling me. 
the pain that is trying to manifest. I trust your word, God. Your word says that by your stripes I'm healed. Your word says I'm, you wish above all things I'm, I, I'm whole and I'm healthy. Your word says that healing belongs to me. So God, I trust you not to be a liar. I trust you not to misspeak or to mistake. I declare that healing belongs to me. I don't let the circumstances of my body dictate the words that I speak out of my mouth. I look upon heaven and know that my healing is manifest. I speak to my joints and I declare that they don't uh, ache. I speak to inflammation. I speak to my cells and declare they carry insulin. I speak to whatever it is. I speak to my blood uh, my blood and my veins, and I declare that they constricted, and they do everything they need to be in order for my pressure to be regulated. I speak, I declare what the Lord has said. I don't, I go to the doctor. I don't deny medicine. I hear what they say, and I use what they tell me in, in order to pray and, and specifically say what I need for my de deliverance. So God, I thank you that I'm whole. I thank you that I'm delivered. I thank you that I'm set free. I will not be moved by temporal things. I won't be moved. We got to understand that when we allow situations, circumstances, and storms to cause us to make decisions based on our feelings, then we move out of faith. You're not going to be in your feelings and in faith at the same time. You're not. Faith is eternal. Your feelings are temporal. Faith is eternal. Your feelings are temporal. Think about this. One morning you woke up. You was feeling good, right? You full of energy. I woke up this morning. I'm good. Then I miss breakfast. Now I'm tired. Then I get to work and I find out I got a Christmas bonus. Now I'm happy. But then my boss said that I got to stay late after work and I'm going to miss my dinner. Now I'm sad. But then I go to lunch and I have the best food ever, my favorite meal, and I get to talk to my favorite people. Now I'm all excited again. I'm feeling pumped. I can conquer the world, right? And then something else happened that did not, didn't, my tire blows out. Now I'm bummed and sad again. All within hours, your feelings have been on a roller coaster. Why? Because feelings are not consistent. Feelings are based on what's happening. Faith is the same because faith is based on what the, the word of God. So just like the God doesn't change, right? He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. Faith is the same today, yesterday, and forever. Faith is consistent. So when you're in feelings, feelings will cause you, cause you to believe God one day because it's looking good. The bank took my application. The bank told me, yes, Woohoo! I'm walking by faith. But then the bank comes back and says, oh, I'm sorry. We can't go through with your mortgage. Oh, Lord, what happened now? Why? Because you were never in faith. You were just you're just in feelings. And when something felt like it was going in the direction God promised, you were happy about it. But then when it didn't, you were sad about it because you were never in faith. Faith is laying hold of God's finished work. So when I'm in faith, I'm excited by the fact I'm as excited when God gave me the word as when it manifests. Actually, the manifestation of it is almost like, oh, OK, cool, God. Why? Because you've already seen it before you've seen it. And that's why it's easy to say consistent when you're in faith because, and, and because your faith will always have you elated. Oh, the bank told me no. Well, baby, I know there's a bank out there telling me yes. 
So I'm just going to wait. Or maybe God doesn't want to use a bank at all. How about that? Hmm. Maybe he just wants you to pay for cash. Maybe somebody's just going to need to move or he's going to move on somebody's heart and they're just going to sow a house into you, right? But when you constrain God to what you've seen happen, you limit his ability. When you constrain God to what you only to what you have seen happen with your earthly eyes, you limit God's ability. It's not that God has lied to you. It's that you didn't do your work. Do your part. It's not that God's word doesn't come to pass. It's that, that you didn't participate in your own rescue. It's not that God didn't see you drowning and throw you a life raft. But you like, well, God, come down here and put it on me. And God like, no, I need you to reach out and grab it. And because you failed to grab it, you blame God for your drowning. You blame God for the death of your marriage because you didn't want to forgive. You blame God for for your sickness because you don't want to eat right. You blame God for your depression because you don't do nothing different. You you blame God for, for everything, but it ain't God's fault when you don't walk out the thing that God has given you for your freedom. God, God, Pastor Evan told us that when we're in faith, we can expect what? We can expect favor. We can expect a plan of action. We can expect a miracle. All right, but I want to go back to the plan of action. God is going to give you a plan of action. All right, as a person diagnosed diabetic, then part of my plan of action is this. I don't consume cake. I don't eat candy. I don't drink sodas. There's some things that I ought to do to participate in my own rescue. My healing has manifested. I'm walking it out, but I can't be out here talking about, oh God, I think I'm healed while I'm eating carrot cake or while I'm eating pecan pie. That doesn't line up. And so it's not that God's a liar, it's that you disobedient. But at any time, the Bible says, listen, any time you see, hear, and understand, then you ought to be converted. Today can be your conversion day. God, I choose to obey and do it the way you told me to do it. Right? I, I choose to do it. I don't let my feelings get in the way. Well, God, uh, uh, April gets to drink a Coke. Why can't I drink a Coke? Because you ain't April. The path and the plan that God has for you looks different than what he has for other people. Even those that's part of your tribe. Me and Sayed, Sayed is my brother, all right? Just like just like a blood brother, all right? He's my brother. The pathway that God gives him, I can't be over here like, God, you know what? I'm so sad because Sayed gets to do X, Y, and Z, but I can't do that because it ain't, his, ain't your path. God didn't lie to you about healing but you out here trying to manifest it based on somebody else's path without hearing God. Faith starts where the will of God is known. What's the will of God for your life? So what we got to understand is that our feelings, feelings are fickle, all right? Our feelings are temporal, but faith is eternal. It's based off the word of God, all right? Say this. Go ahead and say this real quick. I can trust God. I can trust God. So I have to refuse to base God's ability to feel on how I feel. I refuse to base God's ability to manifest on how I feel. I don't got to feel like it. 
I don't got to feel good. I just know God will do what he said because he cannot lie. But my husband, you don't even know, Pastor Ralph. But my wife, but my kids, I don't, you don't even know, Pastor Ralph. I don't know, but God does. He told you that your marriage can be whole. So trust that. Trust that. Walk by faith and not by sight. Don't be messed up by your spouse still not lining up. Don't be messed up by your kids still showing act feelings, I mean, uh, actions of disobedience. Don't be messed up about the fact that your bank account isn't overflowing today. Trust God. I walk by faith and not by sight. I operate in faith and not my feelings. That's what I do. Because what you got to understand is that faith is a byproduct of your spirit. Feelings are a byproduct of your flesh. And the Bible tells us that anytime we make flesh our arm, then we end up in disaster. Jeremiah 17 and 5, we're not to make flesh our arm. Feelings are a byproduct of flesh. So I got to always stay in faith. Even when it does, even when my earthly eyes see something contrary to what God has said, I stay in faith. I can trust God. Look at Psalms 43 and 5. It says this. It says, why are you down in the dumps, dear soul? So, hey, mind, will, soul, your soul is your mind, will, emotions, imagination, intellect. Why are you crying the blues? What it says, fix my eyes on who? God. Then soon you'll be praising again. He puts a smile on my faith. He's my God. Hallelujah. Anytime you find yourself down, disgusted, anytime you find yourself in despair, anytime you find yourself, your feelings getting the best of you, the Bible says, fix your eyes on God, then soon you'll be praising again because he'll put a smile on your face. The enemy's job is to try to get you to believe that God's a liar. The enemy's job is trying to get you to believe that God changed his mind. The enemy's job is trying to get you to think that God is mad at you. God cannot be, God's not mad at you. That, and we're going to talk about 12 characteristics of God, that things that he cannot do. All right. Tonight, of course, we're talking about God cannot lie. All right. But the other, another one that aligns with tonight is that God cannot change. Malachi 3 and 6 says this, for I am the Lord, I change what? Not. I change not. I change not. I know you sinned. I know I told you you can have that house. And I know you went out and had sex. I know you went out and fornicated. I know you went out and smoked the drug. I know you went out and just went left when I told you to do right. I know you moved to the city when I told you not to. All right. Trust me, I'm still the God that doesn't change. I still got promises for you. All we got to do is get back aligned and on the path God has for us and those promises available. Now, trust, hear me when I say this. There are opportunities that you miss out on because you didn't obey the time God told you to obey. But God's promises are for you. He doesn't change his mind. God's promises are for you. He wished that you, above all things that you prosper and be in health. But please understand what I'm saying when I say there will be opportunities that God give you that are one in a lifetime type opportunities. Or in the word of Pastor Edwin, you'll live long enough to see somebody do what God asked you to do, but you didn't. But that doesn't mean you still won't live a good life. That doesn't mean that God still doesn't have promises for you. But understand, there is a timing to your obedience. And sometimes you just miss out. Sometimes you miss out. 
And, and the, so God cannot lie. God does not change. And then number three, God cannot break a promise. Can't a promise. God, God, God's a promise keeper. It says, my covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. He says, my covenant will I not break. And what you got to understand is this. If I fix my kids food and I promise them that they can have food, I promise them that every day I'll feed them, but they don't show up to the table. It's not me, the father, that broke the promise. It was a child that didn't show up at the table. And so many times we're blaming God for breaking premises. And it really was a fact that we didn't show up at the table. When the opportunity, God been talking to you for three years about investing. You ain't done it. God been talking to you for five years about starting a business. God's been talking to you about sharing the gospel. God's been talking to you about moving to a different position. God's been talking to you about taking a new job. And, and, and you feel, and God has told you that you can make $100,000. God has told you you can buy the house. God has told you you can do these things, but, but you're not showing up at the table to eat. You're not taking a new job that'll pay you $20,000 more than you make now. And then Maybe take another new job that'll pay you $20,000 more than you do now. And then by the time you make it to your third job, you're now making $120,000 where you started at 45. But because of your unwillingness to eat at the table, you don't partake of the promise. So it isn't that God has broke the promise. You just didn't show up to the table. The Bible says that he prepares a table before you in the presence of thine enemies. So even when your haters around, as you call them, God still got provision for you. Even when the economy is bad, God still has provision for you. Even when everything around you is going to hell in a handbasket, God still has provision for you. But baby, you got a job to do. You got to show up and eat. And what does eating look like for the believer? It looks like us being obedient and operating by faith. So the character of God, we got to understand, is impeccable. It's perfect. It is unlike anything, any human you have ever encountered, right? Man has his limitations, but God doesn't. Run over to Psalms 1996 in the Amplified Classic Version. I have seen that everything human, not some things, but everything human has its limits and end. No matter how extensive, noble, and excellent, but your commandment is exceedingly broad and extends without limits into eternity. You got to understand that God made a promise based off his ability, not yours. God made a promise made off, when God made you the promise, he made it off his ability, not yours. Your ability is imperfect. Your ability is limited. But God says, you know what? I gave you that promise based on my ability, not your ability. I gave you that promise based on my ability, not your ability. Yeah, it says tag someone, tell them. Hey, 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 Shavandra, when God told you that, gave you that promise, he made it based on his ability, not yours. So why in the world are you looking to yourself to fulfill what God promised? It ain't your job to carry the weight of fulfillment. It is your job to simply believe. How do I believe? I exercise faith and I obey him. 
When he says, wake up, when I wake up and he says, go work out, I go work out. When, when, when I leave the gym and he says, go by and get your kids donuts, I get my kids donuts. When he says, send such and such a, mess, a message in Facebook Messenger, I'll send it. When he says, hey, go pray for them, I'll pray for them. When he says, send them a cash app, I'll send them a cash app. When he says, find a new job, I'll find a new job. When he says, move to a new city, I'll move to a new city. Why? Because everything I'm doing is simply in alignment to his ability. The promise is based on God's ability, not your ability. But so many times you look at your own self and your own limitations to and your own inabilities to accomplish the promise of God. You got to understand, impossibilities will always engulf the person who focuses on their own inabilities versus focusing on God's ability. I understand. God cannot lie. God promised me X, Y, and Z. God's promises for X, Y, and Z is based off his ability and not my ability. My job in this whole situation is simply to trust that God won't lie to me, to trust that God won't change his mind, to trust that he is a promise keeper. So God, how do I get the promise? How do I go about possession of the promise? You know, when you buy a house, you got to go to this thing, close. you got to go to closing. And in closing, they talk to you about finishing up the deal, right? So God, I'm at the closing table. What's the, what do I need to bring to closing? Do you need a seed to confirm it? Do I, what do I need to be doing to close out this deal, God? I need, and, and, and when you show up to closing, you sign your name to some things, right? You, there's some, there's some obligations that you got to do. My responsibility is to believe Trust and obey God. That's what Shavandra just said. That's what I'm that's what I'm obligated to do. I gotta show up to closing. But what we want to do, we want to possess the house without ever going to closing. We want to possess the car without ever without ever signing the paperwork. Yes, God's paid for it, but baby, he's trying to put it in your name, right? Well, I, I had the opportunity to help purchase a car for somebody. And when we purchased the car for the person, uh, we had to go to the DMV. The car belonged to her, but uh, we had bought it for her, but legally it didn't belong to her yet. Not until she went to the DMV and signed her name to some things. See, God has given you some promises, but you're not showing up to the DMV to sign your name to some things. Faith is our signature that gives us ownership of everything heaven has for us. See, God isn't actively involved in what you got going until you operate in faith. God isn't actively involved in what you got going until you activate faith. Baby, God ain't moved by your tears. He ain't moved by your despair. He ain't moved by your lack. He ain't moved by your poverty. God doesn't get involved unless faith is activated. That's what the word says. That's what the word says. Let the word do the heavy lifting. Hallelujah. Let the word do the heavy lifting. And Isaiah 55 and 11 in the message, it says this. The words that come out of my mouth, they don't come back empty handed. Hallelujah. The word that comes out of God's mouth. See, that word of $100,000 a year that, that comes out of Pastor uh, Edwin and Pastor Sean's mouth, they don't come back empty handed. Baby, it's already manifested. It's uh, Some of us already experiencing it. So you got to ask yourself, God, what's my plan? How I show up? 
What where do I need to go to sign these papers, Lord? What needs to be going on in my life? Am I needing to get a new job? Always hearing God, because with every premise comes a plan of action. And with every premise, all right, comes a plan on how you're going to obtain that. That's right, Everett. I love that. Listen to the instruction, those seemingly insignificant instructions. Y'all don't remember Pastor Young gave a word. I think it was it was August or fall of last year. She gave that word. It's going to be the seemingly uh, insignificant instructions that positions you financially to be in a prosperous place in the next seven to 10 years. So you got to make sure you do that. All right. So let me keep going. All right. So I can finish up. It says the word has done the heavy lifting. God is just needing you to get in a position to receive. How do you get in a position to receive? You use your faith. What is faith? Faith is being certain of God's promises. See, when a mama is expecting a baby, when she's pregnant, she ain't waiting to give birth before she starts preparing. She's in faith, right? The baby's growing on the inside of her. So she's doing all those things that's necessary to prepare for delivery. See, God has told you you can have a house, but you ain't even looking for one. God has told you to get a new job, but you ain't even looking for one. God has told you uh, that you could be married this year, but you close-minded to every man that comes your way because they don't look a certain way. You know, so you got to be open. You got to be doing the things God needs you to do in order to get there. Oh, Ralph, Pastor Ralph, what do I do? I mean, it just seems so hard. I mean, I'm doing what God wants me to do. I'm following him. Baby, listen, we live in a world, all right? And the Bible tells us that, hey, he says, don't be scared to be troubled. I have overcome the world. You're going to have trials. You're going to have tests. But you're going to overcome the world. And I love what Pastor Evan said the last huddle, though. He says, your tests are tools of promotion. So just because something's hard doesn't mean you didn't hear God. Just because it's difficult didn't mean you didn't hear God. Tests are opportunities or tools of promotion. And even when the enemy causes trials and things to enter your life, God will turn those things to cause them to operate in your favor. So you stay on the path that God has called you and don't quit when it gets hard. Because you think the enemy is just going to sit by and let us experience God's best? Absolutely not. He's going to do everything he can to prevent it. So we should expect, all right, that the enemy is not just going to make this a, a walk in the park. We got to be like Abraham, all right? Abraham in Genesis 15 and 4, it says, Abraham, uh, he believed God. It says, then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is of your own flesh and blood will be your heir. Heir. And, and here's a side note for some of y'all. When y'all get a word, y'all need to be like Abraham. Y'all need to sow into it. Because later on in Genesis 15, he said, God, how can I confirm this? And he and God told him to bring an offering. When, when, when Pastor Sean, when anybody speaks a life, a word into my life that, that I confirm with the Spirit, then, then I sow a seed. I sow a seed, but that's side note. Anyway, let's not get distracted. And Abraham, you got to understand, Abraham and Sarah, they, they, they had they had uh, been been together, been intimate numerous times. They had been intimate for generations, right? They had been intimate for over 50, 60, 70 years. And she ain't had no baby. 
And ain't, ain't nothing came out of her belly, right? The Bible don't talk about even having a miscarriage or anything. The Bible talks of, doesn't talk about any of that. But check this out. In verse 18 of Romans 4, it says, Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed, and so became the father of many nations. Against hope. Sometimes, all right, it may look barren. It, because ain't nobody ever been there, all right? Ain't nobody ever made a hundred thousand. Ain't nobody ever brought a house cash. Ain't nobody ever been uh, delivered from cancer that you know personally. Ain't nobody ever fill in the blank. Sometimes against all hope, all right? Abraham in hope believed and so became. It says against hope, Abraham in hope believed. And just as it had been said to him. Hallelujah. Look at verse, in verse 18. Just as it had been said to him. Abraham just said, look, I take God to not be a liar. This is what God told me. God told me that I'm going to be a father of many nations. I sowed my seed to confirm what God has said. And so all I know is this. Sarah, your organs going to live and my sperm going to swim. That's all I know. Why? Because God can't lie. When he went and had Ishmael, God was like, that ain't it. That ain't flesh of your flesh, right? That ain't bone of your bone. The, your, your child, your heir will come from your, your DNA, from you and, and Sarah. So the Bible says, just as it had been said to him, he believed. What has God said to you, man, man of God? What has God said to you, woman of God? What are you doing? Hope it says against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. Like Abraham, it is our job to stay in faith. It's God's job to honor his word. Y'all hear me? It's our job to stay in faith. It's God's job to honor his word. Don't try to pick up tasks that don't belong to you. It ain't your job to manifest. It's your job to obey. It ain't your job to make it happen. See, some of you trying to make the vacation. God told you you can go on vacation this summer. You trying to figure out how to get the money for vacation. You trying to figure out how to get the time off. You trying to figure out all this. It ain't your job. It's God's job to honor the word. It's my job to obey. Okay, God, what's the plan of action, right? What we doing here? Are you about to show me favor? Are you about to do a miracle? Are you going to give me strength to endure the change come? Are you going to give me a role model? Like what, what we doing here, God? Why? Because I'm not picking up weight that don't belong to me. It's God's job to honor his word. It's just my job to stay in faith. And so what happens a lot of times though is this. We allow our upbringing, we allow our circumstances, we allow our rearing as children to cause us to have twisted thinking. And that twisted, because here you got to understand this, Goliath wasn't always big like he was. Goliath was a baby at one point. And what happened was Goliath grew up. And for a lot of us, we find it difficult to believe and trust God simply because We've had some untruth grow up into our life and to huge Goliaths. Um, here's an example. Your grandma got married. Your grandma, she picked a bad man, right? 
the bad man hurt her feelings. Had a baby by her, but then cheated on her, didn't take care of the baby, let her down. So the daughter of that grandmother, the grandma was like, baby, don't trust men. They, they ain't no good. They just going to let you down. They, you can't trust them. They ain't going to come through. So this daughter marries a really great man. But because her, because for 18, 25 years, she heard her mama say, men ain't no good. You can't trust men. I mean, they're going to they gonna always fail you. She met a great God-fearing man, but her expectation, because she didn't renew her mind, she began to force that man out of her life because of the Goliath that lived in her life based off the seed that her mama planted, that men were no good, that they were going to let you down, that you can't expect them to come through. And see, you may be like, well, that ain't my thing. But baby, what did, what did money look like growing up in your life? Did, did your parents talk about how, I don't know how these bills going to get paid. I don't know how this is going to go up. Before you know it, over your entire life, that's what you heard. There was not enough. Now your 40-year-old self is dealing with the twisted think a Goliath of financial uh, distress, a Goliath of poverty, a Goliath of depression, a Goliath of, of lack, a Goliath of, of a poor marriage and poor relationships, a Goliath of low self-esteem. Why? Because you let a baby grow up into a grown man. And so it's not that you're always intentionally trying to do what's contrary to what God has asked you to do, is that you haven't taken the time to renew your thinking. So like Abraham, see, do you do know that Abraham for 70 years um, or 80 years, had a barren wife. We do know that. Do you not think in his mind, he was like, oh God, what are you talking about? This, 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 this well over here, God, it been dried up. It ain't never produced no water. Now you talking about a son? But what happens is traumatic experiences causes us to doubt God and think he's a liar. Here's another example, real life example. Major, my nephew, uh, we adopted him. He came to live with us February 1st of 2019. Uh, and every day I fed him. Every single every single day, y'all, I have fed him multiple meals, at least three a day. Do you know that right now, Major come up to me, like, Daddy, are you going to give me something to eat? And I simply ask, Major, have I never ever not fed you, baby? He's like, no, you always feed me. So what do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to feed you. But what happens is this. Shavandra nailed it. Trauma causes you to doubt God. So so, so what, what happens is Major's been living with me, y'all, almost four years now. But what trauma will do to you is cause you to begin to think God's a liar when God's really not a liar. You just got some hurt you ain't dealt with. He Major just got some renewing of his mind he got to do, right? It ain't that the baby wants to distrust me. It's just the fact that his life experiences have been kind of rough and he didn't always know where each meal would come through. And yeah, where in my mind, I should think that living with somebody four years should be enough to know that you gonna eat, the baby still asks me. And see, what you got to do is spend a 
enough time in the word of God that where you will rewire to remove that trauma, to remove that thinking. Because we're talking about major, but what wicked thinking do you have because of your upbringing? that was wired into your DNA. Because what you got to understand is that your, your brain is always going to take the path of least resistance. So what's the easiest thing to do? The easiest thing is to doubt God because in my flesh, that's what I've done. Why? Because I ain't seen nobody have a good marriage. I ain't seen nobody make six digits. I ain't seen nobody buy a house cash. I ain't seen nobody buy a car cash. I ain't seen nobody heal for it. Uh, I ain't seen nobody raised from the dead. I ain't seen nobody recover from depression. I ain't seen nobody live every day of their life full of joy. I ain't seen it. And because you haven't seen it, you begin to think that God's a liar when he tells you that you can have it. And it's not because you're intentionally wanting to doubt God, is that you don't renew your mind to learn the character of God. And what did I tell you about God? He does not lie. He does not misspeak and he is not mistaken. That's God. But I got to renew my mind. That's the work I got to do to rewire my thinking. And that's why the Bible says to meditate on the word both day and night, to observe, to do according to according to all that's written therein. Then it says you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Joshua 1 and 8. So I got a role to play in my own rescue. I got a role to play. And what I got to understand is that I won't let trauma of past relationships affect my new relationships. Somebody better go ahead and type that because that, that, that applies to you. I, I won't let the trauma of past relationships negatively impact my new relationships. I can trust God. God ain't, gonna, God ain't lying to me when he says this person good to me because what happens is this. You hold up walls in your life because you feel like you got to protect yourself from injury. Well, but here's the thing about walls. Walls keep things in and they keep things out. And so as long as you got that wall up where that wall is protection for you, it's hindrance to God being able to bring you freedom. And so, yeah, I know you feel like you're protecting yourself, but if God said the person's good for you, then you don't need nothing else. You don't need anything else. God won't lie to you. God, God won't set you up for failure. God ain't out here playing games with our emotions. God ain't out here treating us like pawns. God will take care of you. God will take care of you. If you trust God, I trust April because I trust God. God told me that she was my person. So I trust April because I trust God. And see, some of you won't be, you're not willing to trust God and let your fence down. I don't have to protect myself. That's God's job. And what did I tell you to do? Some of you are doing the heavy lifting. Because you're trying to protect yourself when you were never designed to protect yourself. When a when as a citizen of the United States, if another country enters my my territory of the United States and they try to attack me, it is the job of my country to protect me. Y'all hear me out now. So when the enemy 
who's of a different country. Because the Bible says that we're in this world, but we're not of this world. So when the enemy, the fathers of lies, tries to come against me as a king's kid, it's not my job to protect me. It's the job of the king in which the country I live in. So God's job, God's job is to protect all the citizens that live in the kingdom. So all I got to do is go to God. God, take care of this for me. God like, hey, you can trust say it. But I don't feel like they're trustworthy, God. They give me, they, they remind me of such and such. So who you going to believe? Who you going to believe? You going to trust your feelings that were up in the morning and down at afternoon and, and up the next day? Or are you going to trust God? Go ahead and type this. Some of y'all need to type this. I trust the people God told me I can trust. I trust the people God told me I can trust. Some of y'all are, are living life. And God wants you to expand it. But you ain't letting nobody in. You ain't letting nobody in because you want to control everything. And you want you want to be able to manipulate and you want to be able to 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 ensure things. And you feel like if I can control everything, then I'll be OK. So you know what? How do I control everything? I just don't talk to nobody. I just don't let nobody in. I know I want to be married, but you know what? I'll be by myself because I can't control them not cheating on me next time. I can't control them on, on, on treating me right. You don't got to do that. I trust the people God told me I can trust. And when God tell me I can't trust them no more, I'll stop. But I'm telling y'all, those relationships, God will not and is not lying to you. He won't. God won't lie to you. He, he, he ain't out there trying to hurt your feelings. He ain't out there trying to set you up for, for, for harm later. He ain't out there trying to get you down the road three years and, and you get another divorce. God knows what's best for Courtney. God knows what's best for Brenda. God knows what's best for Sandra. God knows what's best for CJ. God knows what's best for Kimberly and April. God knows what's best for Ralph. And there are some things, there are some people, there are some places, there are some jobs, there are some opportunities that we may feel like ain't what's best for us. But I got to trust God enough to know that he got my best interest in mind. I got to trust God enough that he's a good father. I got to know that he ain't lying to me, that everything that he do for me is to make me prosperous and give me an expected end. Everything he do, does for me is to cause me to experience the best life. Everything that he does for me is causing me to live a life of, of fullness until it overflows with abundance. Everything he does, does for me is good. And when I believe that that's the God that I serve, obedience becomes a non-factor. Because who doesn't want to serve a God that's always bringing me good stuff? It's only because you think God don't got your best interest in mind that you be disobeying him. I mean, I can't believe God want me to say, to not have sex. You know, I, I mean, I've been, I've been married and I know what sex feels like and it's good. And now I ain't and you want me not to be fornicated. Yeah, because he, he wants you, you, he wants what's good for you. He knows what you can handle and what you can't handle. 
And you don't even got to see, see, my kids don't always got to understand. I was talking to my kids the other day about something. And, and uh, I just told them to trust daddy. That's all I said. I said, hey, hey, I know y'all asking me all this question. I don't got time for all that. I just need you to trust me that what I got for you is good. Oh, we were going somewhere. That's what it was. I was going somewhere for them. And, and they thought I, we were going to the uh, trampoline park. And, and I told them, no. And they got all sad. And they were disappointed. And I said, do you trust your father? And they're like, yeah. I said, trust me that what I got for you is good. And all of them, their whole temperament changed. Because over time, I've proven to them that I'm a good father. See, God is trying to give you opportunities to prove to you that he's a good father. That's why he asks you to do things. That's why he asks you to sow seeds. That's why he asks you to, to go to do this, that, and that. He's trying to give you opportunities so you he, he could be proven to be a good father. That's why he loved you. In spite of, that's why while you were yet a sinner, he died for you. That's why when he saw all your sin, he still went to the cross for you. He took all of that, all of your sin and all, all the uh, payment of sin. He took that, right? Because he wanted to prove to you that he's a good father. He can be trusted. And he's a man that he will lie. Because when you understand that God only has your best in mind, then it's so much easier to obey God. It's so much easier. All right, let's wrap up. It says, Romans 4 and 18, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. Look at these six words. For God had said to him. Why did he keep believing? For God had said to him. Brenda, why are you going to keep believing? For God has said to you. Everett, why are you going to keep believing? For God has said to you. But it doesn't matter. Sarah's womb was dry. God had said. It doesn't matter what the economy looks like. God has said. God's ability is capable of overcoming all earthly limitations. God made water run through a desert. God made dry bones rise in Ezekiel. God parted a whole sea and they walked across on dry land. God fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. Peter walked on water defying gravity. God said, God saw. God said to Brenda, Brenda obeyed, Brenda saw. God said to Courtney, Courtney obeyed, God saw. I mean, Courtney saw. God said to Amy, hallelujah, Amy exercised faith, Amy saw. Go ahead and say this, say this, type this. God doesn't promise and fail, hallelujah. God does not promise and fail. The table, God, oh, that's good, God, thank you. God does not promise and fail. His word is incapable of returning back to him void. Like the water in the, uh, the definition of returning. Come thank you, Google. Place or person. Google says, here's the definition of return. 
coming back to a place of purpose. That's what God is trying to do. He's trying to return back to you. When the, the Bible says we existed with God in, look at Google Preacher, we existed with God in the beginning. And we, are, our spirit man is aware of all the promises that God has for us. It's our earthly man that we're continuing trying to be saved so that we can align it with God's promises so he can return back to us everything he said. Everything is said. So at the end of the day, guys, we got to employ patience. We got it because when we employ patience and we utilize faith, we inherit the promise. You hear what I said? Two things. When you employ patience and you use faith, you will always inherit the promise. Pastor Ralph Ward said that. Glad you asked. Hebrews 6 and 12. We do not want you to become what? Lazy. In other words, don't go back to your earthly way of thinking. Don't take the, the path least, tra tra I mean, the path most traveled. Don't, don't, don't go back to that, he's saying, but to imitate those who through faith and patience did what? What did they do? Inherit the promise. Who inherited the promise? Those who through what? Faith and patience. So when I couple faith and patience together, then I get what's promised. And I get what's promised. I, I don't be lazy. And that word lazy there means a mind that defaults back to the old way of thinking. I don't be lazy. You know what, God? I don't feel like reading my word, but I read it. Why? Because I don't want to be lazy. I don't want my mind to conform back to the old way of thinking. I would rather watch TV, God, but I read my word. Why? Because I don't want my mind to conform to the old way of thinking. I mean, those that were saying the things about relationships. Yeah, you said it tonight, but you're going to have to read the word and trust God. Why? Because you don't want your mind to go back to that old way of thinking. Because what I'll tell you is this. You could be in a happy relationship. You could use the word of God to maintain that relationship. And then you let go of the word and your mind will resort back. And you'll be think your spouse cheating on you because it looked like something the last person that cheated on you did. And so now your expectation is your spouse cheating. You're treating them like you're cheating. Now your spouse wondering why you're treating them this way. You got issues in your marriage because you didn't let God be the solidifying force in your relationships. You got to trust God and then trust the people God told you to trust. But you do that by renewing your mind. All right. And last scripture for the night as we end. What I tell y'all, God won't lie. It says God's vision is not ruled by man's time. I know you're not married yet, baby, but don't rush it. It's okay, you 40. But I'm telling you, when you get married, God will renew it. It will feel like you didn't miss a beat. I know you don't got the baby yet. Don't trip. Don't worry about the age. God will make it happen for you. And when it does, he will restore you to make it feel like. I, I know you don't got the job of your dreams and you don't live in a city that you want and you don't make what you want. Don't let a time wear you out. It says God's vision is not ruled by man's time, but God's appointed time. And this is the last thing we'll say tonight, Habakkuk 2 and 2. This vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. It aches for the coming. It can hardly wait. Go ahead and go to the next part. Say it. Read them first three, four words. And it doesn't what? Lie. Type that. Say the vision doesn't lie. The vision doesn't lie. God gave you a vision 
of a child. God gave you a vision of a happy marriage. God gave you a vision uh, of debt freedom. God gave you a vision of a healthy body. God gave you a vision of a renewed mind. God gave you visions of peace. God, some of y'all, God gave you a vision of a whole night's sleep without waking up. God gave you the vision and the vision does not lie. Hallelujah. That's scripture. It doesn't lie. If it seems slow and coming, wait, it's on its way. It'll come in right on time. Now, we don't got time to talk about this night, but what it says an appointed time. What's the appointed time? That appointed time is when your faith comes in a full alignment with what God has said, then manifestation happens. Manifestation happens. So God cannot lie, guys. Guys, you can trust him. You can trust him with your life. And so that's what I've been meditating on because there are some things God told me. And I'll be honest, they feel real, real big. And so I'm having to dig up my thinking to understand that God ain't dangling a carrot in front of me to mess with me. God God ain't just trying to, to just pick on me and, and, and get me out here to think that, that this is going to happen, but it's not. God can't lie. So if he told me that's what's going to happen, then that's what has happened already. I am just going to walk out of obedience and faith and exercise patience and cause history to repeat itself. Why? Because God created the end before the beginning. So everything that I needed, every word that he would ever give me, he had already produced manifestation of that harvest, of that word. So all I got to do is exercise faith and patience so I may inherit the promise. Why? God ain't lying to you. So whatever vision that God gave you, whatever word that God gave you, whatever word the man or woman of God gave you, whatever word the prophet gave you, understand that God can't lie. Understand that he won't change and his word won't fail. And the vision is not a lie to you. It won't lie to you. It, it's it's going to come. Wait on it, though. Wait on it. Gloria Coleman says, if you're willing to stand forever, you won't have to stand for long. I won't let the enemy wear me out with time. I trust that God will see me through. And see, this is the other thing as we enter, as we talk about giving. When God asks me to give, I ain't tripping about giving. God says, he reminded me, he said, Ralph, he started reminding me uh, as we prepare to give, right? Uh, he reminded me, he said, Ralph, think about that seed that you sown in that bedroom room when you and April sowed this. Think about, you remember that time you brought them that car? You remember that time you gave that car away? You remember that time you brought this? You he says, prove me not. He says, he says, look, he says, as a toddler, he says, I, I, I rebuke the devourers, devour for your sake, and I open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing so that you won't have room enough to receive it. He says, he says, prove me now. Prove me. Prove that I'm not a liar. Exercise your faith and watch me do it. And so what I want to tell you guys is you sow tonight. Remember those seeds that you sown. I remember the seeds that I sown to help other people get in houses. I remember the seeds that I sown to give people gas money and food and pay light bills and phone bills and grocery bills. And, and I, I did that. I remember that. And the Lord saying, prove me not. Prove me and watch, watch me honor my word. Watch me honor. So as you give tonight, watch God as you give Gilify, Tyler, text to give, uh, all that. Prove them. 
God, you know what? I don't know what the enemy trying to do over here, but I know that you said you open up the windows of heaven for me, that you rebuked the devourer for me because I'm a tither. So I don't know what he's doing, but I thank you, Lord, that I'm already here because as a tither, I have a right to this. Take authority over those things because you do have a right as a tither. And then you have a right for things as a giver. And my seed goes out and it does not it's not void. It comes back to me, pressed down, shaken together, shall men pour into my bosom. So God, I thank you for favor and situations. Because when you sow seed, then you can reap things. All right. So I thank you guys for hanging out with me. All 31 of you, I pray a blessing over your life. I pray that you understand that we each walk in the fullness of understanding of God's love towards us, giving us the ability for the Holy Spirit to have God's love shed abroad in our heart and that we have a full understanding of it, depth, width, and height of that love so God's promises may be manifested in their fullness in our lives. There's nothing lacking, nothing broken in your life. Understand that God is not lying to you. The vision is not lying for you to you and that you are going to trust whoever God told you to trust, even if you don't feel like. Why? Because your feelings have nothing to do with faith. Hallelujah. You guys be blessed. Have a great... Oh, let me run through these announcements real quick. My bad. Announcements folder. All right. Today's Wednesday, so join us Friday for Champions uh, Circle uh, Prayer at 6.30. Then, you know, on Sunday... We're going to be back at 9 o'clock for Pastor Chris and Elder Valley for worship. 9.30, Pastor Edwin and Pastor Sean will be back for Sunday celebration. Join us Monday with Pastor Sean for Strategies for Success. Tuesday, we're going to have prayer um, at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. And then Wednesday, we'll be back with Ignite. Uh, Victory Zone is on demand. Make sure you go watch the last lesson of Pumpkin Parables. It's really good uh, if you have the uh, Victory Zone students. And then uh, we'll be back here Wednesday. Fire Conference, December 9th and 10th. Carried over to the 11th for the huddle. Make sure that you uh, participate in that. And also, shout out to everybody. If y'all didn't know already, Given Tuesdays, we raised over $20,000 with 139 givers. $20,000, guys. $20,000. Uh that's and that's only 139 givers and so i encourage you even if you got if god told you to give and you haven't then go ahead and, and sow your seed it's not too late but thank thanks and shout out to everybody that participated and helped us double the goal the goal was ten thousand at least we went over 20 so thank you for that all right so you guys be blessed have an awesome night i love you and see you friday morning Bye bye